Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Thank you. Well, uh, please let me add my welcome to that of Jeff's uh, before. I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity, and it's my privilege to be sharing uh, God's word this morning. Uh, CMS, the mission agency that we partner with as a church to send Maggie Cruz and some other missionaries to overseas to share the message of Jesus, that organisation, CMS, has like many organisations, a a vision and a core set of values. You can see them on the screen there. One of the CMS's core values is to engage in what they call cross-shaped mission. And what we're going to do this morning is we are going to uh, explore the book of Philippians, have a little dip into the book of Philippians, to get a better understanding of what cross-shaped mission might look like for CMS missionaries, and also what it might look like for us personally as well. So as we begin, let me pray. Father, we do ask that you would speak to us uh, by your Spirit through your Word this morning, Give us open hearts and minds and ears to hear what it is that you are saying, that we would leave this place more like your son Jesus for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Let me invite you to uh, keep your books, uh, your Bibles open to Philippians there because we will have uh, a look at a few different parts of Philippians this morning and also you'll see in the leaflet there is a talk outline that you might find helpful to keep track of where we're up to. To illustrate cross-shaped mission, CMS's training and development director in Melbourne, David Williams, has recently been recounting the history of CMS's very first ever missionaries from Europe that were sent from Europe to West Africa in the 1800s. And what I'm going to do, this is just quoting uh, from the brief accounts in the historical records that CMS has, in the order that they appear in those historical records. The year 1804, Melchior Renault, 17 years service, died in Africa. Wife survived him. Peter Hartwig, four years service, died in Africa. Wife died in Africa. 
Gustav Nalanda, 19 years service, died in Africa, married twice, both wives died in Africa. Leopold Butcher, 11 years service, died in Africa, wife died in Africa. Johann Prass died in Africa. Charles Wenzel died in Africa, wife died in Africa. John Barnett, initially offered for service in 1806, but was declined on account of his wife's health, renewed his offer after her death, died in Africa. Now, mostly they all went to Freetown in what we now know as Sierra Leone. And at the time, there were virtually no Christians in that part of West Africa at all. And mostly, they were involved somehow uh, in an initiative with, uh, of William Wilberforce to provide safe haven for uh, West Africans who were being rescued from slavery. You can hear more of their story uh, from David Williams in the CMS SANT podcast called The Heart of Mission. I've given you the details of that podcast on the bottom of the service leaflet there, so you can listen to more of that story there. But suffice to say, those men and women paid a very high price for serving the Lord Jesus. They mostly died of malaria or yellow fever. But CMS kept on sending them year after year. In 1823, for example, 12 missionaries were sent out in a group and 10 of them had died within 18 months. And they all went knowing they were probably going to die in Africa. Was it worth it? How did they make those decisions? Did they make the best decision? Would we make the same decisions now? How could CMS knowingly choose to send people to their deaths? Would you support that? How does CMS decide what is best for mission? How do we decide what is best for mission overseas in our own church context and in our own lives? Well, the Apostle Paul addressed something of those questions in his letter to the church in Philippi in 60 AD. In chapter 1 of Philippians, we know there that the church was facing opposition. In chapter 1, verse 29 of Philippians, Paul says, For it has been granted to you, the church there, it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggles you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Paul himself was in chains, uh, in prison, we know that from chapter 1 verse 4 because of the gospel, but Paul isn't distressed by these things because it was all serving to advance the gospel, which is a phrase that Paul uses in chapter 1 verse 12. And it's in that context of the advance of the gospel and growing antagonism to the advance of the gospel that Paul says he's praying for them. In chapter 1 verses 9 and 10, Paul says that he prays that they would be able to know what is best. He says in verse 9 and 10 of chapter 1, he prays that their love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so they might be able to discern what is best and may be able to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. In the face of suffering for the advance of the gospel, Paul wants the church to be able to discern what is best, to know what is best. And what is it that the church needs to know? 
Well, later on, in chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, I've given it to you there in the service leaflet. In chapter 10 and 11 of verse 3, Paul tells us what he is striving to know, even in the face of suffering for the advance of the gospel. In chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, Paul says, I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is striving to know Christ. The best thing to know in mission is a person, to know Christ. And how do we get to know Christ more deeply? Well, do we read our Bibles and pray? Well, yes, absolutely, that's true. We do do that, but that's not what Paul says here, no. To know Christ more deeply, according to Paul, is to know the power of Christ's resurrection and to participate in the sufferings of Christ. The point here is if we desire to know Christ more deeply, then we were willing to choose to be in situations where we can experience the power of Christ's resurrection and participate in Christ's sufferings. Now, choosing to be in situations where I can uh, experience the power of Christ's resurrection sounds, sounds all right. I'm in. Tick. Done. Count me in. But the second bit, being in situations where I participate in the sufferings of Christ, maybe not, maybe not so much with that one for me. But that's not how it works. The power of the resurrection comes inextricably linked to Christ's sufferings. When did Christ experience the power of the resurrection? Only after the sufferings of the cross. The power of the resurrection and the suffering of the cross come together. If there had been no death on the cross, there would be no resurrection. So to know Christ better, yes, is to know more of the power of the resurrection, and we'll come to that soon. But to know Christ better also means knowing more of the weakness and the suffering and the death of the cross and to participate in those sufferings. If I'm talking with people about my 10 years living in East Asia, I can usually see the deeper understanding that, those pe- that some people have of me if they themselves have visited East Asia. And even more so if they're from East Asia. And even more so if they're a Westerner who's lived for 10 years in East Asia. That's why Tab and I have a very deep bond, my wife and I have a very deep bond with the people that we worked with and lived with, the expats that we worked with and lived with in East Asia. To to participate in the same life, with the same challenges, with the same goals and motivations as someone, is to know that person more deeply. So too it is for us and Christ. Our suffering will never be the same as that of Christ, though. We will never die on the cross for the sins of the world. But if we suffer in obedience to God for the advance of the gospel and for the glory of God as Christ did, then we are participating in something of the same kind of suffering that Jesus did with the same goal. 
And if that's the case, then how could we not come to know Christ more deeply through that suffering? Choosing to suffer, though, doesn't come naturally, does it? How do we bring ourselves to make those kind of choices? Well, we need a different mindset. In the passage that we had read to us earlier, Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, the thing about a mindset is you only truly know someone's mindset by what they do. Now, if I said to you that my mindset was, I'm, I'm super sporty, I just love to get out there and do as much physical activity as I can, I love to run around the torrents whenever I get the chance, anyone who, would, who knows me would just fall about the place laughing because they know full well that is not my mindset. And they know that because they know well my activity levels. We know people, we know people's mindset by their actions. And so Paul helps us to understand Christ's mindset by telling us about Christ's actions. In verses 6 and 7 of chapter 2, uh, Paul says there that Christ was in very nature God, that is, Christ was God himself. So Christ could have legit legitimately claimed all the rights and privileges that go along with being God. And yet he was willing to let go of all of those things in order to take on the very nature of a servant and be made a human being. Christ gave up his rights and privileges and humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, as it says in chapter 2, verse 8. Are we willing to adopt the mindset of Christ Jesus as he went to the cross? Are we willing to choose to face real suffering for the sake of the advance of the gospel? Well, we will if we want to know Christ more deeply. The Church Missionary Society has sent missionaries from this church to many places around the world over the decades. And invariably, those mission, missionaries and their or missionary families will come and stand here at the front of the church at some point before they go. And we as a church will gather around them and we will hold out our hand and we will send them and we will pray for them and we will say, yes, under God, we think it is good to send this person to do this place to serve God in this way for the glory of God. But what if those missionaries that we were sending, like those missionaries who went to Africa, what if we knew that we were sending them probably to die? How would we feel about that? Would we be on board with it? Would we be open to partnering in mission like that? Well, if we had the mindset of Christ, which took him to the point where he gave up his privileges, his safety in his death on the cross... Well, I think we would be open to sending missionaries to those situations with the same mindset and the same potential of real and costly sacrifices. But for good or for bad, CMS doesn't quite have the same death rate of its missionaries as it used to. But CMS still maintains that it wants its missionary work to be cross-shaped. The CMS website says, and I've given this to you in your leaflet there, the CMS website says that cross-shaped mission is one of their values. 
And by that they mean the cross is both the message we proclaim and the life we live. Therefore, we serve in the power of the Holy Spirit, humbly laying down our lives in weakness, vulnerability and dependent prayer for the sake of others and God's glory. Cross-shaped mission means not just proclaiming the message of the cross, but living the reality of the cross, laying down our lives in weakness, in vulnerability and in prayer. Now we've heard something of the, the dark places that Maggie goes to as a part of her mission to see God glorified. Mike and Karen Rowe are also missionaries that we partner with as a church. They're on home assignment uh, right now after spending the last three years in, in South Africa where they're training future church leaders for Africa. And they have had an awful, horrid time living in South Africa these last uh, three years with COVID and COVID lockdown and all of the social challenges of a place like South Africa. And in their last email prayer update, the Rose wrote, the impact of crime, corruption and poverty mean we have been living with heightened levels of baseline stress for a while now. And so we are grateful for your prayers as we re-enter Australia. Could the Rose have chosen to leave South Africa and had a much more pleasant time these last three years? Absolutely, yes. Mike and Karen, if you know them, are both highly intelligent, competent people. They could have certainly enjoyed the comfort, the enjoyment, the safety that comes with being educated people living here in Adelaide. But they chose to give that up and to go to and to stay in South Africa. And they're planning to go back again in a few months' time. Why? Well, for the advance of the gospel and because they are convinced of the value of cross-shaped mission. But Paul's message in Philippians is not just for CMS missionaries. How do we all participate in the sufferings of Christ? Well, one of the ways that we participate is just encapsulated in the word participate, actually. The word there actually comes with it, uh, the meaning of uh, the idea of fellowship, that we are all fellowshipping, sharing in these sufferings together. And we can do that with missionaries in hard places, through prayer and through giving, through partnering with them. That's how we can partner, that's how we can participate in some of the sufferings for Christ. That's one way. But also, our own lives can be increasingly cross shaped for God's glory. There's an ad that's uh, been playing while I've been watching the tennis over the last couple of weeks. There's an ad that just keeps coming up over and over again. And the key line in the ad is this. What would you do more if you feared less? What would you do more if you feared less? Less. Now, the ad is for an insurance company, and the point seems to be that if I was less fearful about what could go wrong, then I would give up my job in a boring cubicle in an open space office. I'd give that up and go and start a niche surfboard-making company uh, by the beach, and I would enjoy that much more. That seems to be the point. But what they're tapping into there is two core values of Australian society. One is... 
We are an extremely risk-averse society. Safety and certainty is key for us. And the second is, I must enjoy what I do. And if I don't enjoy it, then there's something wrong and I've got to change it. Safety and enjoyment are core values in our culture. But I don't see those values featuring highly in the mindset of Christ on the cross. Christ's mindset was to give up his rights and privileges, his personal safety, to be willing to sacrifice and to suffer for the glory of God the Father. What would you do more for the advance of the gospel if you feared less? That's a challenging question, isn't it? Now, the insurance company is suggesting that their insurance products will empower us to be less paralysed by fear. I don't know the value of their insurance, I can't speak to that, but Paul has something far more powerful on offer to enable us to make costly sacrifices to participate in the sufferings of Christ for the advance of the gospel. And that is the power of Christ's resurrection. Again, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, it says there, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. It's in participating in the sufferings of Christ that we will know the power of Christ's resurrection. And then in verse 11, Paul goes on to speak about him ultimately being a part of the resurrection of the dead, of all believers, which is something that will happen in the future when Jesus returns at some point. And when Paul says in verse 11 that he will somehow attain to the resurrection of the dead, he isn't saying there, though, that his own efforts in participating in the sufferings of Christ cause him to attain to that resurrection of the dead, not at all. It's only in the knowing Christ bit, it's the knowing Christ bit at the start of verse 10 that enables Paul to be a part of that ultimate resurrection of the dead, of all believers. That's the point that Paul is making all throughout chapter 3, actually. In chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says, I consider everything a loss, that is all of his efforts, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I, can, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. It's only knowing Christ that enables him to attain to the resurrection of the dead. That's why Paul is striving to know Christ and nothing else. Resurrection from the dead is achieved in full by Christ, for those who know Christ. But Paul also makes clear in verse 10 that even now, before Jesus returns, we can know something of the power of Christ's resurrection. Verse 10 again, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. In participating in the sufferings of Christ, we can also know the power of his resurrection. And that's because Jesus' suffering led to his resurrection 
and exaltation. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 11 says, Therefore, that is, because Jesus humbled himself and became uh, obedient to death on a cross, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Of God the Father. Jesus' obedient suffering led to his resurrection and to his glorification in all the earth to the glory of God the Father. So too we can see the name of Jesus glorified as the message of the gospel of Jesus advances into all the earth through our own weakness and suffering. The gospel advances through our weakness. And suffering. It's counterintuitive to us, though, isn't it? But it is how God has worked throughout all of human history. God chose Abraham and Sarah, who were well beyond childbearing age, so that Abraham could be the father of the great nation of Israel. God chose Moses, who could barely speak in public, to be the leader who would save Israel from slavery in Egypt. And we've just spent four weeks as a church looking at Ruth, a desperate woman in poverty, who God used to advance the family line of the future king of Israel. God chose David, who was the weakest and the smallest of all his brothers, to be the king of Israel and to lead them. It's how God worked through Jesus on the cross, and it's the same for us. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says that we are like jars of clay, and that is, we are fragile, imperfect, unimpressive, breakable. And yet, says Paul, we contain the message of the gospel of Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4-7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpowering This all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It is in weakness, in sufferings, that the power of God is made known and the message of the name of Jesus, the gospel, advances. The Purdy family are also CMS missionaries that we partner with as a church. We sent them to Chile last year. The Purdy's have now, having only been there for some months, have been forced uh, to, to leave to go to Argentina while they wait for probably another three months for their visa issues to be sorted out. So now they're there in Argentina, in limbo, in huge uncertainty, waiting. In their last prayer update, Ainsley wrote... Being being unable to cross the mountains to see all our friends we have made in Chile is very difficult, especially for the kids. Really, God? Is this the best you've got? This is it? This is the plan? It seems like a pretty weak plan. But if we believe God's word to us, it's in this kind of weakness, in these trials, that we open ourselves up for the advance of the gospel that the name of Jesus can shine brightest. Now, it's a challenging message to be willing to embrace 
our weakness. To put ourselves in situations where we feel our weakness. To know the, the power of Christ's resurrection and to participate in his sufferings. I think the assumed values of safety and enjoyment in our culture around us sometimes mean we just don't even see the gospel opportunities that God puts before us. Maybe the risk to our finances is too big to give sacrificially to gospel work. Maybe an opportunity to serve might mean a real cost to our health, even our mental health, so much so that it just seems too much to even seriously consider. Or sometimes we simply pass on opportunities to serve others in church because we know we won't enjoy it. Perhaps if we took time to truly reflect on the mindset of Christ on the cross and to reflect on the power of his resurrection from the dead, we might get nudged a little bit closer back towards reality, edged away from clinging to our rights to enjoyment and to safety. It can be challenging to think about, but it can also be encouraging. Especially for those who perhaps don't feel like we have much to offer. Maybe our bodies or our brains isn't up to what it used to be. Maybe we're getting older. Maybe we have a chronic illness or a disability. When it comes to cross-shaped mission, that's when the power of Christ's resurrection can shine most brightly. And I have to say, some of the most significant moments of refocusing my eyes on Jesus have been visiting some members of this church when they are in hospital, even literally on their deathbed. Some of the most powerful moments of discipleship, and by that I mean me being discipled, have happened there, from those people in their weakness. So maybe for you, it's just a quiet word reflecting on the faithfulness of God with someone. Maybe it's your prayers for the advance of God's kingdom in someone's life, prayer that no one else hears except for God. Maybe that's where you can know the power of Jesus' resurrection, even now. When those first missionaries went to West Africa in the early 1800s and died... There were essentially no Christians in West Africa at all. But now the West African nations are at the, at the very heart of the world church. Today, there are far more Anglicans worshipping Jesus in Nigeria, for example, than there are in Australia, New Zealand, the UK, Canada and US combined. That's the power of Jesus' resurrection coming through the sacrifice and the weakness, not just of those CMS missionaries, but countless other Christians who have participated in the sufferings of Christ, who have put the advance of the gospel of Jesus ahead of their safety, ahead of their comfort and their enjoyment for the glory of God the Father. That's the power of Christ and his resurrection. Let me leave you with the words of John Stott from the book of the Cross of Christ, which I've given you there in the leaflet. John Stott says, 
In theory, we know very well the paradoxical principle that suffering is the path to glory, death the way to life, and weakness the secret of power. It was for Jesus, and it still is for his followers today. But we are reluctant to apply the principle to mission, as the Bible does. As Douglas Webster has written, mission sooner or later leads into passion. In biblical categories, the servant must suffer. Every form of mission leads to some form of cross. The very shape of mission is cruciform. We can, only, we can understand mission only in the context of the cross. Let me pray. Father, we ask that you would give us more and more of the mindset of Christ, that we would be willing to participate in his sufferings and to know the power of his resurrection, that we may know Christ more for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.